welcome to the John Brown University Chapel Podcast, recorded in the historic Cathedral of the Ozarks in Salem Springs, Arkansas. This week's chapel speaker was Noah Mitchell. Noah, who serves on the JBU Board of Trustees, received his undergraduate degree in 2005 and his graduate degree in ministry in 2007, both from John Brown University. He is currently Director of Strategic Partnerships and Student Experience at Per Scholas Columbus and the author of Face to Faith, How to Own Your Faith in College. We are always glad to have today's speaker with us. In fact, we're so glad we asked him to come twice this semester. Noah Mitchell is a JBU alum and he currently serves on JBU's Board of Trustees. You will appreciate Noah for his honest and forthright declaration of the truth of God and the truth about who we are. It's my pleasure to introduce Noah Mitchell as he helps us take our first look at the fruits of the Spirit. Good morning, JBU community. Uh, it is both a privilege and an honor to be before you this morning um, in this kind of weird and unusual way. Um, this is my first time ever doing like a video in a sermon and I'm, I'm like this weird nervous. Um, if I mess up, I mean, I can start over. So that's a weird thing, but um, I, I'm excited about um, this semester. I'm excited about this um, uh, this thing that we have going on in chapel where we're gonna be looking at the fruit of the spirit. Um, I would love for you to just pause for me just for a moment to calm our hearts and calm our minds um, as we ask the Lord to uh, to really guide us and lead us um, as we go throughout this semester, as we go throughout um, this time together uh, in his word. So pray with me. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come before you. I pray, God, that wherever we are, uh, however we're listening to this, that um, in this moment, you will still our hearts, that you will still our minds, that you will allow us to hear from you in a way that is specific to us. God, I pray that whatever season, uh, whatever mental state, whatever uh, heart condition that we find ourselves in, that you would meet us right there, right now. And we thank you that we can go before you even uh, in a pandemic and know that you can hear us. And so, God, we pray that you would um, speak to us, that you would guide us, that you would lead us and that you would do that in a way that only you can. We pray these things in your name, amen. I was not even expecting to do that, but here we are. That's what we do, right? We're on video, we can do what we do. Um, I'm excited. Um, we're gonna jump right into this because um, I only have like 15 minutes and I'm gonna be talking about love. I wanna be talking about love in 15 minutes. Can you believe that? Okay, so the fruit of the spirit is where we're going. It's what we're talking about. And that is in the book of Galatians chapter five, uh, starting in verse 22 going to verse 23. And that reads very simply, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Um, if you went to VBS as a kid, you probably have uh, a little fruit of the spirit jingle going on in your head. I can't think of it right now, but I, it, it's there. And if you're singing that right now, that's fine. Um, the passage, this passage is filled with such richness uh, yet it's still so mysterious, right? We have these nine characteristics. They pack so much meaning. Yet how do we really live these things out? How do we take these words and apply them in a way that is both transformative to us personally and redemptive to the communities that we serve? It should be noted before we jump into this that we are we're taking each of these nine characteristics and we're teaching on them. But the goal of the text is to drive home the importance of keeping these nine characteristics together. We see this most clearly in the fact that the denotation 
is of the fruit, singular, rather than the fruits, plural. The fruit of the spirit encompasses all nine of these aspects. In other words, if you don't have love, you can't have joy fully. And if you don't have gentleness, then you can't have kindness fully. You don't have it fully unless you have it all because it's all the fruit of the spirit. You can't have one without the other. They're interdependent. They are interconnected. They're intertwined with one another. You don't get to pick and choose which of the nine you like in order for you to have the fruit of the spirit. It should also be noted that the list of characteristics comes directly after Paul tells us what it lo looks like to live by the flesh. Paul is reemphasizing that we are we have two choices on any given day, on any given occasion, on any given situation to choose to live by the flesh or to live by the spirit. But we cannot do both. One more note before we jump into this thing of love is that Paul uses this analogy of fruit because fruit is something that has to grow and develop. You can't have fruit unless it grows. And Paul wants us to understand that the things that we're talking about in this series, these nine characteristics are things that we don't just wake up and have happen. We must put in the work of being men and women who are about love and joy and kindness and self-control. We must dig deep. We must plant the seed. We must water. We must nourish. We must do the things that are necessary in order for us to obtain the fruit of the spirit. It does not just happen. This morning, as I told you, I am going to be talking about love. Now, I confess to you guys that when I got the list of the fruit of the spirit and I got to choose the one that I wanted to do, I chose love because I thought, you know what, that's probably the easiest one. You know, it's the one that's going to be the easiest to talk to you. I know you've never done this, but it's kind of like when your professor gives you a list of assignments and says, choose the one that you want to do. And you're like, I'm going to choose that one because it's the easiest. And then you go back and you start doing your research and your work and you're like, dang. I done messed around and picked the hardest one. Yep, that was me. Um, the reason why love is hard to talk about is because love is the one thing that we talk about the most. And so everyone has their perception of what love is and everyone has their perception of what, of what love isn't. And so it's hard to really talk about and to process what is the thing about love that I need to pull out of this passage. The Bible has over 400 references about love. We have over 50 references just in the gospels. Love is the thing that we hear about all the time, yet I would suggest that love is the one thing that we need more of. First Corinthians gives us a pretty good systematic look at what love is. It tells us love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but love rejoices in the truth. It bears all, believes all, Hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends. This sounds real good. And if, if you're like me, you've probably heard this about 150 times at weddings. But I would suggest that looking around the world, we need more love. This morning, I want to just talk about two aspects of love. I confess that I am not in any way, shape, form, or fashion uh, covering every aspect of this idea of love. We could talk about the different types of love, agape. We can do all that, but that's not what we're doing this morning. I just want to remind us of two very important things 
when it comes to this concept and this idea of love as one of our aspects of the fruit of the spirit. The first thing I want to remind us this morning is that love is a choice that activates action. I'll say that again. And if you have on a mask, you can say this to your neighbor, say love is a choice that activates action. That was a little mask joke. As Christians, uh, we can, we can, we cannot make decisions and choices in the name of God that are not soaked in love. Why? Because first John four, seven, eight tells us this beloved, let us love one another for everyone who loves is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. The passage doesn't say that God likes love or that God ordains love or that God created love or that God really, really, really loves love. It says God is love. I wonder what decisions you've already made today that were not bathed in love. We should always be asking the question, is the action I'm about to take, is the choice that I'm about to make bathed in love? Love is not all that we need, but rather love is the activator for our actions. It's not all we need, it's the activator of our actions. I have two beautiful sons whom I love dearly. I would literally do anything for them. Yesterday, uh, right before I was about to record this very message, my oldest had an absolute meltdown. It was one of those like meltdowns that was just completely and totally rooted in total foolishness. I'm talking about didn't make no sense to nobody. He wasn't upset by anything real or substantial. It wasn't something that I could fix or something I could give him or something I could take away from him. It was just plain foolishness. He was just plain upset about life. I remember very specifically thinking, I don't have time for this. I really need to finish up this sermon on love so that I can get this sermon to the JBU community. Ah, the irony. I don't have time because I need to write a sermon about love. Remember, I told you at the beginning, I love him deeply. But my love in that moment didn't mean much of anything if, I, if it did not activate action. That's what love does. So I paused, put my sermon down, I held my son, and I told him that everything was gonna be okay. I wiped his tears, I listened to his heartbeat as it slowly returned to normal. We locked eyes, and through his tear-filled glare, our love for one another grew even deeper. I had a choice. Love activates action. In the midst of our busyness, in the midst of our quest to accomplish, I wonder how many opportunities we miss to activate love. We talk a lot about how we love the poor. We love those who are on the fringes. We love diversity. We love justice. We love, we love, we love. But do we act? Does that love propel us to act differently, to be different? Do we make the same choices that we always would? Or does our love push us to make decisions that are difficult, decisions that push us out of our comfort zone? Jesus told his disciples, that would be us, in John 13, 35, 
that your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. In other words, Jesus is saying how you actively love is what actually matters. It has to be intentional. It's not just going to happen. It's not just going to show up. But you're going to have to come to a place where you intentionally say, I am going to exhibit love in all situations with all people. Love without action is dead. Love is a choice that activates action. My second point, remember there's only two, so we're halfway there. Love is a reflection of self. Love is a reflection of self. Now this one gets us to thinking about love in a different way. One of the most quoted scriptures about love comes from Jesus himself. He tells us that he, and he's giving us a new commandment and it's this, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And he also tells us that this is the first of the great commandment. And then the second part of this is that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. This passage presupposes something that we often forget or neglect to invest in. Jesus assumes that we have a healthy sense of love for ourselves before we engage with others. We must love ourselves in conjunction to loving others. It's not about a before or after, but it's in conjunction with loving others. Love your neighbor as yourself only works, though, if we love ourselves. I can't speak for anyone else, but I know from my own life that uh, most of the time that I, uh, I've, I've had trouble loving people was when I was having trouble loving myself. We spend a lot of time trying to fix other people so much so that we don't even see ourselves in this passage. God is saying that our ability to love others is a direct reflection of the love that we have within ourselves. I cannot love the Lord my God with all of my heart, with all of my mind, and with all of my soul while simultaneously neglecting or negating myself. Now granted, we all have come across the person who loves themselves just a little too much. Some will even point out that the Bible rightly warns against this type of self-love. But the reality is that most of us don't love ourselves enough. Most of us need just a little bit of work in this area. Love of self is learning how to say no so that you're not overcommitted and thus less capable of loving others properly. Love of self is turning off the news when you're overwhelmed with the happenings of the day that you become frustrated and unable to remember that the person with a different view from you is still in need of love. Love of self is giving yourself a day of Sabbath rest to rest and refresh and renew your mind. Because after all, if the creator of the universe needed a day, we probably need two. Love of self is understanding you don't have to be perfect. Love of self is releasing the pressure and the need to always be right. We are much more likely to love ourselves and others when our opinions don't have to be the only right ones. Love of self is hard, but if we don't start there, we're, getting, we're setting ourselves up for our love of others to be superficial at best and totally absent at worst. For some reason, we have been programmed to think that loving ourselves is somehow odd or awkward or sinful. But I submit that not only is it biblical to love yourself, but it's also practical. 
The goal isn't to stop at self-love. Scripture makes it clear that our love should start with God, but be clear, you can't adequately love your neighbor if you are not taking care of loving yourself. Self-love is a prerequisite for genuinely loving another and allowing yourself to be loved in return. Have you ever had to serve in ministry while you were completely empty? You know those times when you're completely drained mentally and physically or spiritually and you're expected to serve other people? That sure is hard. Last year, I found myself in that situation. I was going through a pretty deep depression where loving myself was a battle every single day. I had been taught unconsciously that if I really loved God and his people, that I would just fight through it and keep on serving. Some of us have been taught the same message. We've been taught that denying ourselves and following Christ is synonymous with neglecting ourselves. Take note, Jesus himself understood the value of self-care and self-love. He hid away from the disciples when he needed rest. He did it not just, he did not just go and go and go. He did not just go and go and go. He did not just go and go and go. So why should we? Many of you are waiting for me to move on because talking about self-love is awkward or strange to you. You're waiting for me to, to get to the point of this message. Spoiler alert, this is the point of the message. As I mentioned, Last year was really rough for me. Luckily, I have this really incredible counselor. And as I was sharing with him how I was feeling and doing, he told me I needed to take a break, that I needed to decommit from things and get back to the basics. My response, I can't do that. People will be disappointed and will think my relationship with God is somehow weak. I'm thankful that he and some close friends reminded me that I was indeed worthy of love and that the best thing I could do for myself and for others was to pause and reconnect myself with God with all of my heart, with all of my mind, and with all of my soul. Things seem real heavy and tough when you don't do them with love. To do anything with love changes our perception of the experience so that we are in the experience of love. Many of you today are in places where you need to re be reminded that you are loved by the creator and you're worthy of love from yourself and others. I am convinced that some of the most hateful people in the world are that way because they, they don't have the appropriate love of themselves. Of course, we have those narcissistic folks who are hateful and evil because they have too much love of self. But I would submit that love of self isn't their issue. It is love of self above God. Remember, our love must start with God. That is the key. I don't know where you are in which aspect of love is, uh, God is asking you to learn from. Maybe you need to focus more on loving God, spending time with him, listening, learning, and allowing him to lead. Maybe you need to love others more intentionally, intensely, in all choices and decisions. Or perhaps you need to love yourself more, slowing down to understand and love your own rhythm. Wherever you are in this season of life, let love lead and guide you, for God is love. As we love this God with our whole heart and with our whole mind and with our whole soul, let us not forget to love intentionally. May our choices for others and our choices for ourselves be bathed and soaked 
with the love of God and not the stink of the flesh. May we remember that we are created in the image of God who makes no mistake. May we remember that the same God created our neighbors, all of them, even the most despicable. And because of this, we are called to live in, walk in, and rest in this love that is all encompassing. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Maybe so. Thanks for listening to this episode of the John Brown University Chapel Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, and we'd love it if you'd leave us a review.